Welcome to Brain Wellness, the podcast. I'm your host, Mandy MP. Each episode will bring you a new topic or interview related to brain health and wellness as part of my mission to help you on the path to a healthier, happier brain. So let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Brain Wellness, the podcast. My guest today is Jennifer Etzweiler. Jennifer is an animal communicator, author, speaker, and coach who found non-traditional methods that help her to live with depression. As an animal communicator, Jennifer talks to animals, arachnids, and sometimes even people. When she isn't filling the shoes of Dr. Doolittle, she can be found enjoying creative hobbies like sewing, knitting, and jewelry making. If you're curious about what your animal friend might be thinking or saying to your next door neighbor's cat, she can help with that. You can contact her through her website, which I'll share at the end of the show. Thanks for Jen- Jennifer for being here. Thank you. Yeah. So my first question, we're going to change it up a little bit. It's always kind of what does, what does, why does brain health interest you? But you had more than just brain health in there. So why does um, animal communicating interest you in, in the t- terms of brain health? Well, um, it excites me. It's like, it's that thing that I found that like, just, I feel like the heavens open and the angels sing and, you know, like it just makes me happy. And the process is a little woo woo for some people. It's, I talk to animals using telepathy and I meditate a lot to get in the headspace to do that. So all those things require that you have a healthy brain and they also mm-hmm. contribute to having a healthy brain. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, I'm doing so much better in life since I found this path and have been practicing it. Mm-hmm. So did you find this out of need for treatment, treatment for your depression? Um, Not directly. No. Um, I originally found out animal communication was an actual thing in the mid nineties. And I went, Oh my God, please take my money. You know, (laughs) (laughs) like this is so cool. Um, but I didn't, uh, I didn't really start looking at doing it as a career until, um, I was really, really depressed after I've dealt with depression most of my life, but I got like, I hit a really big rock bottom after my stepfather passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, he had ALS and I moved home to help take care of him. So, uh, so when I moved home to help take care of him, we had a really, really regimented schedule from like seven o'clock in the morning to 11 o'clock at night. And when he passed away, there was a certain amount of relief that comes when when you've been caregiving for a long time. But there was also a, oh, we don't have anything to do. Like, like We have nothing required of us all day long. And I went, oh, I'm taking advantage of this. And I laid in bed and watched TV for almost a year and Gosh. kept getting more and more depressed and didn't even realize it. You know, I, I thought I was okay, even though I was crying myself to sleep sometimes. And then my cat got sick and I went, yeah, no, she's not leaving me too. Yeah. And, and when the vet wasn't able to give me answers, I started racking my brain and remembered this animal communicator I'd met in the mid nineties. Yeah. And so I called her and she said, well, your cat is taking on your stuff, trying to help you process it. 
And most animals process it and let it go, but your cat's not letting it go. Hmm. And I went, okay, cat's not leaving me, so I need to get help. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I tell people all the time that, like, hope comes the craziest places. Yeah. If you had, if you even told me today that you were going to get help because your cat got sick, you were going to get mental health help, I'd be like, uh, okay. <laughs> but that's what did it for me. Yeah. You know, that's what did it. And, and so the more I worked on myself, the clearer my mind became. And I started getting more messages from the animals that lived with me. And then at the beginning of the pandemic, I like everything went on Zoom and I found this animal communication school and got to do all this practice. And so 25 year dream is now coming true. Yeah, that's pretty exciting. Yeah, and and like it's so exciting and that it all kind of none of it would have happened if my cat hadn't got sick. Yeah. It's yeah. the weirdest twist for me, you know. Well, and we always talk about how animals can help us heal, right? Yep. That was your cat's way of helping you heal. Yeah. Yeah. So we normally think of it as just direct things that they do, whether they just come and cuddle on us or or sigh when we need them to sigh or just look longingly into our eyes because they do that. And my dog has claimed my boyfriend and does that with him all the time. So um, <laughs> I get it, but uh, we don't often think about what they're doing when they're laying on us and cuddling with us. They are taking on our energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They have this sixth sense and they're trying to help, help us heal and trying to figure yeah. out what's going on. Yeah, absolutely. Do you find that a lot when you're communicating with the animals? Um, I have not run into that a lot. Um, I will say that Miss Kitty, the cat that I, that I had at the time was, we had an incredible bond, like, like the closest thing that I can say, like, she was my soulmate kind of thing. And I don't say that lightly. We had a bond that I've never had with any other living creature. So so I don't quite run into things quite that extreme, but, but our animals reflect what's going on with us all the time. Um, I, people call me and there's a behavioral issue with their animal and okay, what was going on in the house when the behavior changed mm-hmm. and, you know, oh, well, we just blended two families that's not a little thing, you know, <laughs> like, that's not a little thing for anyone. Right. Um, and the cats, the, the pets always reflect what's going on with us. Yeah. And it's not that they take it on per se. It's just, you know, there's stress in the household. They reflect that stress. They're like little mirrors of what we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. They, they really are. So your cat forced you to get better. What kind of things did you need to do? Did you have any resources or supports that you needed along that journey? So I started off um, meeting with a coach once a week um, who taught me some basic cognitive behavioral stuff that no one had ever taught me. And I got to tell you, like life changing and why aren't we teaching this stuff to little kids kind of stuff. Um, But I started off with, okay, I'm feeling anxiety. Take a deep breath. 
And what am I thinking about? And almost immediately, I found that I was lying to myself all day long, all day long. And, and it like, as soon as you notice that stuff, it's like, okay, so what, what is true? Well, mm-hmm. the truth is like, for example, I had chronic pain, still have chronic pain. It's not as bad as it used to be, but, um, and the headache would start and I would be thinking, oh, this is just going to keep getting worse and worse and worse. And it's going to turn into a migraine. And then the migraine medicine isn't going to work. And the next thing you know, I'm going to be at the hospital and they're probably going to admit me. And, oh, my God, you know, you've now gotten yourself into a spiral. Yeah. And as soon as I realized I was doing that, it was like, well, wait a minute. I go to the hospital once a year, once every two years with a migraine that doesn't respond. So like why am I going down this road and before I knew it like my headaches weren't as bad because I wasn't spiraling mentally Mm -hmm. you know and then I started applying it to other pains in my body and I eventually found a coach that's a cognitive behavioral expert who's been teaching me things like thought models and forms of twisted thinking and how to untwist your thinking and like all kinds of fun stuff that has just like has just been life cha- like I don't even have a word other than that it, it has completely changed my life. That's awesome. There's there's a lot to be said about cognitive behavioral therapy, and even as a practitioner, I wasn't aware of it until a few years ago myself. So mm-hmm. I I think we don't do a very good job teaching our providers about it to begin with, so that yeah. they know to refer people to that kind of treatment because it works for so many things. Well, and, and had, if you'd been my provider when I was at the worst of my chronic pain, had you even suggested that I go to a therapist? I'd be like, Oh my God, you think it's all in my head. You are a horrible person. I'm finding a new doctor. Yeah. You know, like it's, it it, pain is such a challenge for both the practitioner and the patient. Mm -hmm. Um, but as a patient, I spent a lot of time worrying about the provider isn't going to believe me and isn't going to give me the medicines that I need. Yeah. Uh, like a lot, so much fear around that. And and as I cleaned up my thoughts, it was like, oh, I don't need those medicines, <laughs> which was yeah. a lovely surprise. It yes. was, I mean, it was very surprising to me. Yeah. Yep. As a, as a provider, I, I'm always very cautious in how I present it to people, but absolutely there are lifestyle things that are much more important than medications. There are still, there's still a place for medications. Absolutely. But the lifestyle modifications you can make and the things that you can do to change your mindset before you get to that point can be so effective at reducing chronic pain issues. Those chronic pain issues can come along because of our mindset as well. So when, when I'm dealing with a lot of my patients as a provider, we talk about all the different structural things that can go wrong in your body that can cause pain. All of the different things that we can find in diagnostic tests, we can, we can run labs, we can do images and we can try to find structural causes for problems. But when there's no structural cause for it, then we have to think outside the box and think what else is causing this problem. And a lot of my colleagues say, tell then tell people that it's all in your head. And I hear that a lot from patients. My comeback to that is, well, yes, because your brain is inside of your skull and your brain is in control of your body. 
So yes, it is in your head and that's where we need to focus and where we need to fix that part of it. But it's not the structural part that we can see. It's the chemical part. It's the hormonal part, the imbalance that then comes with our mood being so low that it manifests, it shows up as a physical problem in our body. Yeah. And that's the way we need to address it. Because if, until we realize that it's a real thing and treat it, a lot of patients like yourself would say, nope, I'm not even going to talk to my provider about it because they're not going to do anything. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the last, actually the last time I saw a pain specialist, she said, I'm out of options. And I heard, suck it up, buttercup, live with the pain. Like it just, I can look back and say that there are more than one provider that did not actually say it's all in your head, but that's what I heard. Yeah. You know, like I was just so sensitive to that idea that, you know, because there's not, unless you have a broken bone, there's not a test that like confirms you have pain. And, you know, I was living with being afraid of doctors not believing me, but also like the people I lived with Mm -hmm. didn't understand because they couldn't see it. Right. You know, unless it was, I was standing hunched over at the stove when my boyfriend came home because sometimes I could only stand for 30 minutes at a time. So we ate a lot of top ramen, (laughs) like he couldn't see it. Yeah. And it was really, really frustrating that I like, it just really felt like nobody understood. Yeah. Yep. And that's a common feeling when you're in that situation. Absolutely common. Um, And I think a better thing for us as providers would be to say, you know, I'm at the, the limitations of my knowledge, but let me help you find someone else who might have other options because unfortunately we are limited to the experiences that we've been exposed to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And until I was exposed to functional health a couple of years ago, I didn't know there were other options. Right. And then, and then we also have the further complication of, of our, our health system that just doesn't cover those things. Yeah. So, so, you know, like I was on disability and didn't have the money to pay for an on, you know, like getting yeah. acupuncture once a week or, and going to therapy and what, you know, yeah the the list of things that I do now to stay healthy, like I didn't have those options at the time. And like, it's really hard to work within those constraints. Absolutely. Both on the patient and the provider side. Yes, absolutely. Because yeah, I've been on both. So yeah. 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 So let's talk about some of those things that you're doing now. What are you doing now that's helping you keep your brain healthy? So the, the coach that I found actually teaches class once a week and teaches us mindset and, and cognitive behavioral techniques. And we do hot seat coaching so we can see what the thought model looks like and, you know, what that situation looks like. Um, that's really helpful. I'm in a couple of her programs. So I'm actually with her like four times a week myself, um, I, I, one of her programs is, uh, I'm doing the third time where I'm writing a chapter in a book, which helps me process some of the trauma around what happened, whether that's big T trauma or little T trauma. Mm -hmm. Um, I also go to Feldenkrais once a week, which is body work. Uh, I have a really unique chiropractor that does massage for almost an hour herself before she does the treatment 
<laughs> so I all those things once a week, plus I have to, you know, meditate. And, you know, when I do energy work, I benefit from it, but I have to journal and, you know, pull the thoughts out of the journaling and figure out the thought model that goes with it and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's way more than I ever used to do laying in bed, watching TV 23 hours a day, you know? Um, And it's It's been a slow, yeah, it's, it's yeah. more productive. It's been a slow process. I've had to add like one thing at a time mm-hmm. um, and, and just kind of build my tolerance, but, and my stamina really. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's both mental and physical stamina. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I like the idea of adding things one at a time. Uh, when I work with my patients too, it's always, if we, if we throw too many things at you, we don't know what works and what doesn't. Yeah. So one at a time is great. So you can see how do you respond to it? Does it actually work? Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And things like the Feldenkrais, like I started going for a completely different reason. Mm. Um, I started going because this particular instructor teaches voice lessons and I was going to have to give a speech on stage. And I thought, I'm going to be talking to people for a whole week. And then I have to get on stage on the last day. I want to make sure I have a voice at the end of this. Yeah. And she incorporates the Feldenkrais body work into her voice lessons. And like, I was going like months. And one day I just went, I think I missed a lesson or something. And I went, oh, like that really helps both my body and my mind when mm-hmm. I do those exercises. Mm-hmm. And I, I think in the two years I've been going, I've missed a total of three weeks. <laughs> you know, like it Makes just, a difference it just works consistent. for me. So, yeah. so finding some kind of body work yeah. um, that it, it, everybody's different. That's what works for me. But yeah. finding something like that is really, really helpful. Very cool. Very cool. Do you have one or two tips that you'd like to share with our listeners on things that they could do right now to kind of, if they were in the same situation or they they are in the same same situation that you were trying to pull themselves out? My biggest number one thing is the thing I started with. And that was like, I would notice when I wasn't feeling well, whether that was anxiety or depression or anger or whatever. And especially if I was alone, it was like, wait a minute, where's this coming from? And I'd stop and notice what I was thinking about. And almost without fail, it was a lie. It was a flat out lie, you know? And it was like, oh, oh, I'm telling myself that. Okay. So what's true? And I started off with what's true. And sometimes it needed to be so simple as, you know, if I was in pain, it was like, well, my big toe doesn't hurt. My big toe feels pretty good right now. (laughs) Sometimes it was, I really like ice cream. Um, (laughs) it's a little bit more helpful if you can find a true thought that has to do with whatever you were having the untrue thought about, but I started off with ice cream's really good because it was true and it was simple. And it like, that was where I started. Yeah. And that is the biggest thing that I can suggest to people is Mm -hmm. to start noticing what you're thinking, especially when you don't feel well. Mm -hmm. That reminds me of something that my family started doing, my kids and I, uh, years ago, we had a lot of stress going on in our household and everybody was getting on everybody else's case all the time. So finally, at the end of the day, we'd sit down. That was one thing we always did was have family dinner together. 
and we'd sit down and at dinner, we started this thing of saying what our favorite parts of the day were. And we still do that. And my youngest was a baby when we started, he's 10 now. So we still do that every, almost every day. What's your favorite part of the day? Cause it's changing your mindset. It's easy yep. to find the negatives, but sometimes it takes a moment for them to come up with what that positive thing was. And then it changes the whole atmosphere of the dinner table. Yes, absolutely. Um, my mom went through coach training in the nineties back when you said you were a coach and people went, Oh, what sport? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I remember this trick that she did for a while right after she went through training and I would call her up and, okay, I don't want my mom. I want the coach. And she'd mm -hmm. go, okay. <laughs> so what's one good thing about that? And I'd come up with a thing and she'd go, okay, what's another good thing about that? And she, she would wait and make me do it until I came up with at least three things about whatever I was upset about that were good. And it, it was amazing how effective that was for me. And, you know, like I was in my twenties at the time and it was amazing to me how effective that was. That's like finding that true thing. What is yes. one thing that's true mm -hmm. that we can yep. start right now? What is yep. one thing that's good that can shift my mind out of focusing on the negative things? Because it's once you get into a mindset where all you see, think of as negative, that's all you're going to see is the yes. negative. And yes. when you can start purposely looking for those good things, you will be able to see more of them. Yeah. The, like the, the more your brain finds evidence that good mm -hmm. things happen in the world, the more you notice other good things. Yeah. And so you believe it. Yeah. Um, and, and I, I am not an, an advocate of positivity 24 seven. Oh, I don't yeah. think that's realistic. Yep. Um, but you know, if it's bad enough that it's causing you issues, yeah. you know, like if you're always thinking negative, like your brain is going to find more evidence that the world is a negative place. So finding the, the positive things yeah. just helps you balance it out. Yeah. Cause once you start thinking negative a year later, you find yourself on the, in your bed watching TV. Yep. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> and to be fair, I had 40 some odd years of negative thinking at yeah. that point. So. Very true. Very true. And I will say that when you start doing this work, it's amazing how fast things turn around. Yeah. Like, it, I'm not going to tell anyone it's an overnight thing. Like, oh, I started thinking positive and all my pain went away and I get to eat all the ice cream and all the chocolate and I never gain weight. Like, that's not how it works. But considering I had 40 some odd years of focusing on the negative and 20 some odd years of chronic pain and the fact that how far I have come in three years mm -hmm. is like... I don't even have word like I, I mentally am on the floor going, Oh my God, what just happened? You know, yeah. like it just, it really turns around much faster than you think, even mm -hmm. though it's not an instant fix. Right. Right. In the grand scheme of things, it's still right. in the grand scheme of things. It's like you've worked on it for six months and somebody goes, Oh my God, look at how much you've changed. And you yeah. stop and look and you're like, wow, who am I now? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's, that's pretty remarkable. So good job for doing all that. Thank you. So what are, are you working on anything now that you'd like to share with our listeners? Um, so 
through my coach, I I said I was writing and I am currently writing the longest chapter I have written, which is one of those like building up my stamina again. Um, The first chapter was longer than anything I'd written since college. (laughs) It's a big deal. I'm writing 5,000 words now. It doesn't sound like a lot to a writer, but for me, it's a really big deal. Um, and this year I'm writing about being on opioids for 20 plus years with chronic pain and, and how I got there and how I got out of it and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so that's really challenging, but also really exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just finished training to be a, a coach uh, using cognitive behavioral techniques. So there's that. And then I'm just having fun doing a lot of podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> just yep. really enjoying, you know, talking to people yeah. and getting the word out that it doesn't matter how far down you are, the strangest things can turn your life around. Absolutely. Uh, sometimes we just need that feline friend and I'm not even a cat person. And I thank your, your cat for doing that for you. So I'm definitely a dog person, but that's the thing. <laughs> I was a dog person until I met that cat. Yeah. That particular yeah. cat. And I went, oh, cats aren't so bad. <laughs> <laughs> and now we have three cats. How funny. <laughs> <laughs> even more thoughts to think about. So. Very good. Very good. So where can people find you if they want to learn more about um, talking with our animals or having help with that or anything else that you're working on? Uh, so my website is my name, jenniferetzweiler.com. There's some basic information there. Uh, there's links to the two books that have been published. Um, and then um, I, I, I'm a little old fashioned. I mainly use Facebook. Yeah. I just, I I try to get stuff on Instagram. I just am not, I haven't bought into TikTok yet. It's just not my thing. (laughs) It's all good. But, but I do have a business page on Facebook and I try to keep up with what I'm doing on my business page. And you can always contact me through my website or Facebook to ask questions or anything like that. Perfect. And I will include all of those in the show notes as well. So people can click on those and find you easily. So very good. Any last things you want to leave with our, uh, leave us with today? I think the the biggest message that I have taken away from, from my experiences through mental health and, and brain health has been that hope comes from the weirdest places and it's not always, it's not always like, oh, that thing is going to change my life. So I'm going to do it. It's usually you do something and you look back and go, oh, that changed my life. So do the thing. Yeah. Just do the thing. I love it. It's a great place to end. Thanks, Jennifer. Thank you so much. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Brain Wellness, the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, I encourage you to subscribe, like, and share this with others to help me continue on with my mission to help people live healthier, happier lives. Go to www.brainwellnesssolutions.com to see what I'm up to and get links to all the social medias there. See you next time.